0: This is a headgum podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time, the Babysitter's Club. Club. Tomoyo? Tomoyo is here. I'm showing Tanner my Tomoyo. Um, You want me to introduce the show, Tanner? Please. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club. club. A podcast in which I... I Jack wanted really good coverage there.
1: Okay, cool. Um, I said club really long so uh, that it just like it, made,
0: it covered all my bases. It was great. And uh, I'd love for you to let me finish uh, what I'm saying before you oh, say oh, okay. what you were saying. Let's take, it, let's take it from the top. Let's take it from a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard... Club! Uh, Sorry, I thought we were taking it from the top. <laughs> Okay. Do you want to take it from the top? And
1: I, Tanner Greenring... <laughs> no! <laughs> a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard... Well, now he's drinking a beer, Jack. Look at your
0: screen. This is the reason we have visuals. <laughs> so that you can see what I'm doing. I've turned my face away from you because I'm so confused now by just trying to get through the intro that I need all Let's of take it from my... The top. Okay. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club. Club! Club. A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I, Tanner Greenring, talk about the classic novels of Princeton's Zone princess Annabelle Matthews Martin, Stormborn and Stormwalker, Batsbane and Soul Skinner. First of her name, last of her kind, last hope for humankind. This week, we read a book in her great sitter's cycle entitled, Get Well Soon, Mallory. Get well s- Is there an exclamation on that? Yeah. Yeah. Get well soon. Mallory. Get well soon. Mallory. <laughs> Get well soon, Mallory. Get well soon, Mallory. It could be a threat. Uh, did you catch who um, helped to pen this one? Yeah. You know how I figured it out? How?
1: Shoddy work. <laughs> I feel bad because I think it was an improvement. I will I would feel bad, but this was shoddy work. They did I, bad work in this. The continuity was terrible. The entity known as Jonna n Malcolm. yeah, they didn't do their fucking homework. Yeah. and was like, hey guys, this book is a bit of a continuation. It's a bit of a part B from last week. Last book Mallory was coming down with something. Halloween was just around the corner. Just go read that one. It's important. The kids bought Halloween costumes. I want to make sure those make it over into this book. Kind of look at what Mallory's symptoms are, make sure her illness kind of fits that. And John yeah. Al- and Malcolm were like, nope,
0: the kids are pirates and ninja assassins. Well, so for Baby Nation, uh, I'm assume you know this from a few episodes ago. John and Malcolm is an entity comprised of two humans, John Beecham and Malcolm Hillgartner, who have formed like Voltron. Right to become one entity known as Jonna N Malcolm.
1: Right, they were going through a um, teleporter together. Well, Jana was going through the teleporter, and Malcolm ran in there at the last second. And oh, then right, their bodies. Their bodies fused. And they That's became... got to be awkward because I looked them up on Wikipedia. I think they're married to each other. I mean, if you were fused bodies with someone, would you just get married to them out of convenience?
0: I really depends. Yeah, <laughs> I think they were probably married before they fused bodies. Did Jeff Goldblum get married to the Fly in The Fly? I think so. Out of just I mean, out of convenience? I d- I'm not sh- I don't think we got
1: that far into his <laughs> lifespan as the Fly. Yeah. But
0: I imagine they would have eventually. Okay. Doesn't he die in that movie? <laughs> well there's a the Fly too. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's about the entity known as Jonah and Malcolm.
1: Yeah, it's like the 5,000th time it's happened.
0: Man, if Jonna and Malcolm is the only entity of all the entities that co-write the Babysitter's Club books with Anne, who actually listens to our podcast, I'd like to formally apologize to you, Jonna and Malcolm.
1: No, I'd like you to do better work. This is um
0: constructive criticism. Yeah. Jonna and Malcolm. You're halfway there. It's Halloween. You missed a pretty important opportunity to talk about the Halloween hop.
1: You missed an opportunity to talk about the Halloween hop. Also, last book. We just read it last week, Jonna and Malcolm. Yeah. We know that Nikki Pike is dressed as Captain Planet from the yeah. hit TV show Captain Planet and the Planeteers. All of a sudden, he's looking for a new costume. Yeah. Why would he do that? He bought a Captain Planet costume at Zingy's. Right. Yeah. And then one of the other Pike kids was like a witch. Bad. Not um, anymore,
0: because you're bad at your jobs, Jonna and Malcolm. John and Malcolm pulled off one uh, good little piece of comedy. You caught something? I captured one. Um, it's a very good comedy from The Entity, uh, when Mal is trying to persuade Claire and Margo, uh, who are pretending to be nurses, uh, that they need to eat healthy food. Uh, yeah, all the great nurses ate celery sticks, I said solemnly. Florence Nightingale, Clara Barton, and... Uh, the only other nurse I could think of was from the old TV series M.A.S.H. And uh, Hot Lips Houlihan. Yeah. That's
1: good. That's quality. It's fine. I love that all of Anne and apparently Jonna and Malcolm's like pop culture references are all like TV shows from, from the like 1950s this. and 60s. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, the kids watch those old shows.
0: Well, did you catch the other fucking thing that Jonna and Malcolm did right up front? No, what was it? The phone rings and it's the Pike Cousins, Marie and Phil. Uh, Marie and Phil were both on the line. They want us to meet them in New York for Thanksgiving. We'll watch the Macy's parade, then go out for dinner. The Macy's parade, Jordan asked, wide-eyed. Yeah, Mom grinned, the official parade. Phil was given bleacher seat tickets right in front of Macy's. They are, yet again, literally right out of the gate, shilling for... East Coast Tourism. <laughs> oh yeah. That was John M. Malcolm last time. Was John that? and Malcolm? Last time it was like 40 pages on the Freedom Trail in Boston and right. another 40 on uh, like watching the Senate in action in DC. Right. And now it's all
1: like Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. Have you seen the sales at Macy's? Mallory?
0: <laughs> they are unbelievable. Um <laughs> Do you want to describe this novel? I guess if you want to, I do. It's kind of your thing, but I'll get on board. I was thinking I'd take a run at it, then you could take a run at it. Whatever, I don't care. <laughs> okay, but just to be clear, that's what you have to do. Whatever, man. We'll see. Okay, we'll see, and what we'll see is you doing it because you have to. I just yeah, want to be clear. I know. Maybe. We're, we're... Okay, I yeah. don't know, man. <laughs> maybe. We're talking as if this is like a cool thing where it's like, oh, maybe we will, maybe we won't, and we're both chill yeah, and maybe nobody's we anyone's won. maybe boss we here. won't. But just to be clear, so you know, I'm going to describe this novel, then you must describe this novel. We'll see, bud. Okay, we will see, and what we'll see is that happening, what I've said.
1: Okay? So you're going to describe the book. Yeah. And then we'll see what happens.
0: No, no, no. Oh, so no. Sorry, that's 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 my fucking bad for doing a bad job uh, explaining what's happening. I'm gonna describe the book, right? Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm looking forward to
1: that actually. Yeah, I don't tell you that enough, but like, that really gets me going. It really charges my batteries. Thank
0: you. It doesn't show. Um, so I'm gonna describe the book, and then when I'm done with that, um, we're gonna have you describe the book. Okay. Yeah. We'll have someone. Someone will describe the book, and then we'll we'll move. Right, on. and that person is going to be you. Well it sounded like you were doing it. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm 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 just I've had a long day and I'm doing a bad job explaining exactly what's gonna happen. I am going to describe the book, then we're gonna have a second person describe that book. That second person is going to be you, it will happen. Oh I did know it's a mystery. <laughs> no, it's not a mystery. It's you. Okay. You're doing. I'll do it. my best. Okay, great. Thank you. I'll see if I can fit it in. No, 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 you'll you're definitely going to fit it in. We've done it for 70 episodes now. This is episode number 71, I'll describe the book, then you absolutely will describe the book. That's how it works. That's what we do every time. It must happen. Okay. Cool? Yep, we'll see. Okay. Well, and we'll see and what we'll see is you describing the book. Just want to be clear on that. Okay? Yeah. Eh, eh, eh. That means eh, yep, looking forward to it, right? Eh. Okay. I'm going to take it as that. Why don't I start describing the book, but get ready while I'm doing it. Pay attention, but also get ready, because what's going to happen after I describe the book is you describe the book. (laughs) Okay. All right. Good. Okay. I'm going to begin, then we'll have you do it. Okay? Good. He's he's, he's doing a smile, Baby Nation. I'll take it. I'm going to begin now. Young Mallory Pike is fascinated by horses. Their freedom... Their majesty and their dignity inspire her to let her imagination run wild. Young Mallory Pike is captivated by stories, by the sound of her pen scratching across the page as she invents new worlds where her dreams can take shape. Young Mallory Pike is energized by her best friend Jessie. Her support, her love, and her laughter keep Mallory's hope alive during the darkest times. Young Mallory Pike is also stricken with a disease that is taking away her youth, wasting her fragile body, and sapping her strength with every passing day. But Mallory Pike is so much more than an illness, and she will never allow it to define her when she has so very much to live for. Get well soon. Mallory!
1: Wow, tour de force! (laughs) Thanks, man.
0: Yeah, I definitely.
1: Here's what I loved about it, and I was definitely paying attention during the whole thing.
0: Yeah, what was your fave? Just some highlights. Just
1: your enthusiasm. Oh my god, Mm -hmm. the energy you brought to that description. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Just I'm had to to borrow a phrase from the young people. I'm shook. Okay, this teen just listened to his friend describe a babysitter's club book
0: (coughs) and he's shook um everything about that sentence was true except not a teen yeah not shook didn't listen to me describe the book
1: that's the whole sentence
0: (laughs) um but i've got good news for you my friend because you get a second run at hearing this book described well put me in coach (laughs) great i'm ready to play Great, here's what I'm going to do, Tanner. I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock that I happen to have handy, Um, and then we're going to have you describe the book during those 60 seconds. You ready for that? Yep. Okay, great. Excellent. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, I'm going to start the big bad clock now. All right, Baby Nation. This was uh,
1: part two. Part two of two. Last book, uh, Jesse and the Bad Babysitter, didn't end in a to-be-continued, but... Here we are. Mallory is still sick. An undisclosed amount of time has gone by. Halloween was just around the corner in the last book. It is here now. Uh, Halloween comes and goes. Everyone uh, goes trick-or-treating, has a good time. The Babysitter's Club decides to throw a fair for the old people at Stony Brook Manor for Thanksgiving Day. The Pike family decides to go to New York City to watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Uh, Mallory comes down with mononucleosis, also known as mono, also known as cooties. Uh, she's too sick to move. She has to stay home for like a month and a half. They cancel the New York trip because she's too sick. Uh, she has to leave the babysitter's club. She's forced to leave by her Pike parents. Um, check out the picture of John Pike in the back of the book. He's a fucking silver fox. Um, and
0: that's it time. Good job. Yeah. I listened to you. Did
1: you see the picture of John Pike in the back of this book? No. Oh, boy. To, try to pull it up. Let me pull it up. He is a, a good-looking dude. He's no Mr. Spear. Oh, I feel like all the dads of Stony Brook are all average-looking. Yeah. But John Pike is a hes a good-looking guy. All
0: right, I'm going to have a peek here. Oh, my God. He's handsome, isn't he? <laughs> I was not
1: expecting that. He's way more handsome than either Watson Brewer or
0: Mr. Spear. He's more handsome than anyone in Stony Brook. Right. He is devastatingly good looking. God, no wonder Mrs. Pike wants
1: to keep pooping out so many babies with him. <laughs> I think I'm pregnant just from fucking <laughs> looking at him. Baby Nation, we'll post a picture. He is a very good looking man.
0: Mr. Pike is a fox. He's Boy, good looking. What a good looking man. And, and I don't want to malign any of the Pike kids, but uh, <laughs> they're not getting his jeans. It's not catching. Whatever he has <laughs> is not catching. <laughs> well, Mr. Pike. Whew, what a man. And D. D looking like the cat who got the cream because she certainly did. D's a good looking lady too, but. She's nothing compared with Mr. She's Pike. She's no
1: Mr. Pike.
0: Ooh, he looks like John Ham. He looks like John
1: Han and Pierce Brosnan, kind of like mixed together. Slim and trim? Looking good in that coat. He's got those high cheekbones? Yeah. That square guy. jaw? Just a real looking looking guy. Ugh, oh, what a handsome man. Should we do a spinoff podcast just about John Pike? I would love to. The Pike Files? Um, Pike Check? Pike Check isn't bad. Uh, I was going to say Pike Save America. <laughs> Pike Save America is pretty good. <laughs> we can just join their network. Good. All right, man. What'd you think? I got all the book. What I neglected to say was that Jonna and Malcolm didn't do their fucking homework. This book was a wreck of continuity. Nothing from the last book seemed to matter, even though it's obviously meant to... They, they invoke plot points from the last book. At some point, Mallory says, like, I can't quit the club because they can't find a replacement. We tried that. We had this woman called Wendy in last week, and she was terrible.
0: Yeah, everybody else. It's clear that they read all of the books right. before they even put pen to paper. Pete Loranges, his last one, he referenced like I can't remember what it was, but he referenced like, "Hey, remember when we babysat for those dogs, Buffy and Pinky?" Right. And it's like, God, that's good. Yeah, Pete. Pete does his fucking homework. God, that's good. That means you went back to Christy's great idea. You took down the name of the dogs. You're like, maybe that'll come in handy if we're talking about dog sitting. Jonna and Malcolm were just like, "Uh, hey, remember Dawn Dawn whatever, who was our friend,
1: I guess? And now she moved to... uh, Now she's gone. Now she's gone. Uh, We've never even heard of Captain Planet before. Yeah. What is that? Oh,
0: do you mean M.A.S.H.? Yeah. (laughs) You must mean M.A.S.H. I think that was the last TV show they had. (laughs) Yeah. uh Nikki pike's dressing up as M- as mash <laughs> from the tv show mash he's dressing up as hawkeye he's he's um <laughs> he's
1: fun but haunted yeah <laughs> you know he cracks wise but there's a lot of hurt
0: suicide is painless um john and malcolm we're putting you on blast yeah we're putting you on blast you're my new listen you're not bad writers but you're my least favorite just because
1: you don't do your fucking homework
0: john and malcolm you are the Stacy McGill of Babysitters Club Ghostwriters, right?
1: I'll take a Pete Larangis any day. Obviously, yeah. huge Pete head over here. I'll take a I'll take an Alan Miles over you. I'll take a
0: I'll take lady. Nola
1: Thacker any fucking yeah, day. Nola Thacker, no problem. Sign me. No up. problem. Anyone else? Um, Suzanne Wayne,
0: I've I'd love a hell Suzanne yeah. Wayne. She's kind of a newcomer, but we like her. Jonna and Malcolm, the entity known as, get your shit together. Um, I've got some shit I want to talk about that's not just, uh, maligning the authors of this novel that, uh, is basically our livelihood. Yep. it makes so much money off of it. Makes <laughs> so much money. Um, did you read the happy reading section? Uh, I skimmed it. Two fucking huge things happen. I was scrolling through
1: section. it. I was scrolling through the happy reading section, caught a glimpse of those, those smoky eyes looking out at me from just off page. oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh,
0: excuse me? What is this? And I just n- never looked back. That's fair enough. I I had it on one page instead of two. Otherwise, I would have had the same problem. Uh, but yeah, Mr. Pike comes right on after the happy reading section, maybe deliberately to distract you. Yeah. Because some pretty important shit happened here. Okay. I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to introduce this. Uh, maybe I'll just read it. I'm going to read a little bit of the happy reading section. Yeah, yeah. Fresh in my memory. This is what Anne says. About herself. A real insight into Anne's past. As a child, I was very healthy, and I rarely missed school. However, early in June at the end of sixth grade. Nerd alert. Am I right? (laughs) Anne's a nerd. Two things. You're not right. It's cool to go to school. Okay. And cool to stay in school. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not a nerd, and Uh I never miss school. Okay. As a child, I was very healthy, and I rarely... Oh, and the second thing, I was reading. I was in the middle of reading something. I miss school a lot. Still did okay. Look at me now. Okay. Cool as hell. <laughs> We're, yep. Yeah. Well, actually, this is a lesson for Baby Nation. Tanner and I are basically in exactly the same place yeah. in life. We've got a podcast, uh, a, a moderately successful podcast that makes us very little money. Yep. We both and work essentially the same jobs. Not much else. Yeah. Make about the same amount of money. Yep. Um, and I went to school... Every fucking day. Yep. Um, And then I also took my summers to learn ancient languages. Woof. (laughs) (laughs) I took my summers to play
1: um, Grand Theft Auto. Good.
0: Listen, let me read this thing. As a child, I was very healthy and I rarely missed school. However, early in June at the end of sixth grade, I had an accident. I fell out of a tree fort in my backyard and landed on a stump, rupturing my spleen. For those of you who read The Babysitter's Little Sister books... You will recognize the story in number 81, Karen's Accident. When this happened, I was playing in our woods with my best friend, Beth, and our neighbor, Jesse. Jesse was trying out our new archery set, and when I fell out of the tree, she thought she had shot me. She hadn't, of course. But that night, I had surgery to remove my spleen. Tanner, did anything stand out to you in that passage? Um, I'm not sure. I immediately went to the internet to start looking at... I want you to use your brain. If you like, I can read the passage to you again with a different emphasis.
1: Yeah, hit me with that emphasis. I'm
0: going to hit you with that emphasis and I'm going to reread this passage to you about what may have been the most important and defining moments in Anne and Martin's young life. Ready? As a child, I was very healthy, and I rarely missed school. However, early in June, yep, at the end of sixth grade, I had an accident.
1: Sixth grade, she would have been 12. So yeah. that's what I caught, and that's what I was, I went to go, I literally searched Anna Martin's birthday. Right. So she would have been 12 early June. What year are we talking here? Let's see. Twelve. it would have been 1966, 1967. Okay. Early June 1966, 1967. Does that line up
0: with the date? June 10th, 1958. The year does not line up with the original reference to June 10th. Okay, so listen to this. What if the date is a waypoint? That's what I'm thinking.
1: It's like the Halloween hop. Right. It echoes, it ripples through time. June
0: 10th has been referenced... A few times in these novels. Right. Two June 10ths are referenced so far that we've caught in Babysitter's Club books. Uh, For new baby bees, June 10th is an incredibly significant date for Anne. Uh, We don't have time to go into everything we've talked about on this topic, but we've talked about it extensively in previous episodes, which you can listen to- Right now. On our hit podcast, The Babysitter's Club Club. For free. For free. But I'm going to do you all the favor of reading the two references to June 10th. One is in Mallory and the Mystery Diary, also the happy reading section. I love looking back through my diary to find out all sorts of things, what my first day of school was like when I finally learned how to ride a two-wheeler or simply what I did on June 10th, 1958. What was that? We don't know. That's actually significant now that I think about it. Having just looked up her birthday, August 12th,
1: 1955, Mm -hmm. Anne was not even three on June 10th, 1958, and she was keeping a diary. Wow. That feels significant, and it could mean anything. It could mean that she was supernaturally intelligent. It could mean that she is a time walker. Right, right.
0: Yeah, I think what you're saying about waypoints on June 10th is significant. It could mean that she, at a different point in her life, went back to June 10th, 1958. Right. Wrote something in her diary. June 10th is a nexus. That's the nexus. It's where all points in time come together
1: for Anne. Every June 10th, she wakes up, and it's every June 10th. Yeah.
0: From the beginning of time to the end of time. Now we're onto something. So this is an origin story for Anne. It sounds like an origin story for a superhero. She fell out of a tree. Her best friend, Jesse, was shooting with an arrow. Right. And something fucking happened. Right. She
1: experienced a severe trauma. She was being shot with a bow and arrow. She phased in and out of time. She witnessed her birth. She witnessed her death. Oh, uh, uh, no, Google. sorry. Google doesn't list her death date. Just her birth date. Google does it? No. I think Anne's gonna live forever and I don't wish any harm or ill will towards Anne. I just wanna get make that clear.
0: I wanna make that very clear as well. It sounds like this is a Nexus, this is a waypoint. This is a Nexus, this is a waypoint. And she says there's another clue for us. For those of you who read the Babysitter's Little Sister books, you will recognize this story in number eighty one, Karen's accident. Tanner, we are only on Little Sister Number Five. You remember when we used to read those books? We have got It's been a minute. By my calculation, seventy-six more little sister books before we can find out. Yeah, the answer. It's been a minute to this mystery. Yeah, it's been a minute.
1: Yeah. All right. In fact, so, we're we're sitting
0: on a piping hot little sister that that's just been in the bank for months, huh? We're sitting on a piping hot baby nation, a piping hot little sister. Little sister, little episode. Some of you may be new enough, baby bees, <laughs> yeah. that you don't even know that we do this. It's been
1: about six months. It's a lesser podcast. With it, is a, a, it is a full-fledged podcast that people love. A lot of people are saying they love it even more than this show.
0: It's released in this feed, right? so don't worry about it. You don't need to go search for it elsewhere. We But just it's a release little bit, kinda, a little bit pirate it. radio, you know? Yeah, and it's not quite as good. It doesn't reach the standards that Or it could we, be better. According to a lot of people, had set in this feed. I think the most the, people a lot better. It's a little bit more directionless. It doesn't have a clear sense of direction. It's, it doesn't need it, and a lot of people say it
1: doesn't need it, and they just say that the host, the main hosts, charisma kind of carries the show.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard that. Yeah, um, but we're sitting on one Baby Nation, and uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll throw that out there uh, if uh, somebody gets time to fucking edit it. It's it's like I think at this point it's maybe a year old. So. <laughs> good um before we move on let me read to you the second thing that happens in this happy reading which i'm sure is related to the first and which uh adds to the mythology around this very very meaty happy reading after reading this book you might think that i had mono when i was a kid i did have mono but not until i was 40 years after i wrote this book Usually, I write a story about something that has already happened to me. This time, something happened to me after I had written about it in the book. Okay. Let's hope that doesn't happen too often. Okay. Happy reading, comma, no exclamation point. Happy reading. Happy reading. (laughs) She does it three possible ways one, happy reading. Happy reading. Exclamation Exclamation point. point. That's the most common. Two, happy reading. Comma. Comma. No, no inflection. Anne. Right. Three, happy trails. Happy trails.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm surprised <laughs> that she didn't do that on this one.
0: Yeah.
1: G- given that this was a, a big tourism plug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for uh, for New yeah. York City.
0: Happy, yeah. everything's on sale at Macy's Day. Yeah.
1: Happy bagel with a schmear.
0: And, and
1: <laughs> So, Anne is some kind of... She has some kind of prescience. She writes, and her words become manifest.
0: It seems like, right? It seems like that's what she's telling us. She wrote into the pages of this book that Mallory, her character, has mono. And then she got mono. Right.
1: Also, like Anne has always identified as, to us, to us, publicly. She has identified as Mary Ann. Right. But she admitted in her happy reading that she grew up with a best friend named Jesse. Right. She admitted that she didn't have mono, but gave Mallory mono. Right. And then she caught mono. Maybe Anne is telling us that she is a Mallory.
0: Oh, yeah. Mallory writes Mallory writes kids' books. Fucking hell, dude. Yeah. I read an interview with Anne once where... She said explicitly that she never really cared for Mallory, which strikes me in retrospect as someone who's trying to throw everybody off the fucking scent. Or it's like a cry for help. That's possible, too. This is fucking good stuff. So whatever happens to Mallory happens to Anne.
1: Well, I guess we should rip the aid off. It's, it's pretty obvious Anne doesn't care for Mallory because Mallory's fucking out, baby nation. The way this book resolves is like Mallory has to leave the club because her parents are worried that it's making her mono worse. Yeah. And she doesn't come
0: back. Mallory's gone. She's gone. She's out of the club. At the club. end of the book, she's like, I'm done. I'm out. There are currently only five babysitters in the Babysitters Club. Dangerous. Fucking dangerous. Six was dangerous. Five? I don't know how we're going to recover. Well, and Mallory is tied in this book, ties her illness to Dawn's departure. Right. I hated to admit it, she says, but I didn't feel just a little tired. I felt a lot tired. It must have been this virus I caught after Dawn, one of our BSC members, moved back to California. Right. The seven are no longer one, and the fact of Dawn's departure is causing the other babysitters to drop like flies. They're not as strong when they're not together. Yeah. Their immune system is down as a group. So, and now Mallory's out. Who the fuck knows who's next? I, I mean, I know who's next because we've
1: talked about it. It's it's Abby, but that's not like in, for another 20 books. Do yeah. we just have five babysitters for 20 books? I don't want that. I don't need that. It I sounds wa- stressful.
0: The last two books have been stressful. The last two books have been really stressful, and things are getting worse. Mallory's out. Also, like, as an aside, like, I love Christy, and I don't want to question her, but... Why do you have to kick Mal out of the club because she's sick? Can't you just like have her still be in the club but not come to meetings until she's better? Well, that's what Chrissy,
1: Chrissy says we're going to make you an honorary member.
0: Yeah, but But how about just not? Mal
1: like resists it and Mal comes up with this like, I don't dislike Mal, but she comes up with this screwball like ploy for getting herself kicked out of the babysitter's club in this book that makes literally zero sense and it. Only lasts one chapter, and it feels so shoehorned in that I have to go yeah. back, and I have to put the blame solely on Jonna and Malcolm. Yeah. Once
0: again, guys, you did lazy work here. Here's my fucking note, just to show you I agree with you under my Jonna and Malcolm section. Mallory's plan to sabotage the BSC to make them fire her is fucking bonkers. It's bonkers, and it's like
1: it's so brief and so wrapped up so nicely. It's like they finish the book, and they're like, fuck, we are... 30 pages short of a full book here. What do we do? And it's like, let's go add a chapter in where Mallory tries to sabotage the babysitter's club and get herself kicked out. And let's let's start that conflict at the
0: beginning of the chapter and let's wrap it before the chapter is over. Her motivations make no sense. Let me see if I can parse this. Mallory Pike is worried that if she stays in the babysitter's club but is too sick to come to meetings... The babysitters club members who are her friends are going to become angry with her, right? Because she's not pulling her weight in the club, right? But but this is this is I, we should do this as a syllogism. So this, that's P one, P two. Yeah. Let's
1: hey Jack. Yeah. Just to interrupt real quick. Let's do this as a syllogism.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh oh you want to do this as a syllogism? I would love to. Yeah. Okay. Good. I was saying that. I said I said that. So, I said that. Let's do this as a silly jism. P1. Yeah. yeah, it's a syllogism. Syllogism. Silly
1: jism. Um, I, ga- I yeah. got what
0: you're saying. P1, premise one. Yeah. Premise P1. If Mal stays in the club and misses meanings, her friends in the club will become angry with her. Right. P2. P2. Um, Come on. This is your silly jism. I'm going to. P2. There is no way for her to leave the club. Without angering her friends. Right.
1: Therefore oh he's writing out. He's writing it out, baby nation. He's taking notes. Jack's silly jism isn't what it used to be. It's getting older, you know. You really throw me
0: off. <laughs> we got P We know what P one is, we know what P two is. Right?
1: Mm hmm.
0: P three.
1: <laughs> the Mighty Ducks are back. No. Therefore Q. Okay, therefore Q. Right. Right. Therefore, Q, 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 no, Q... Which kind of is the, the mischievous, godlike character who toys with Captain Picard and the crew of the USS Enterprise.
0: No, Q is, is, is the... Is mischievous, the...
1: godlike character who toys with the crew of the USS Enterprise.
0: No, I know that, but in, in what I'm talking about, it, Q is the logical truth that... Uh, the corresponding logical truth that P1 and P2 together... Entails, sure. Which is that she must therefore uh be really unpleasant to all of her friends,
1: so they yeah. kick her out of the club. Yeah, she's. Uh, it's what I call old yellering. <laughs> it's when you're faced with a tough situation, when you're faced with like a difficult goodbye. I just went through this at work with a coworker who I admired very much.
0: Wait, hang on, just for a second. At work, you had to take a coworker that you admired very much out back and shoot her?
1: No, see so old yellering that's that's part that's step C with old yellering. Okay. Step A is you yell at the person and tell them you don't love them. Oh, I see. Okay. So you you try to get the person to run away. Right. You try to get old yellow to run away first. You're like, "I don't love you anymore. I never loved you. Leave me alone." Okay. And you and you run away from them. And that's what I did to my coworker. I was just exceptionally mean to her for about 3 days. Uh, leading okay. up to her, her final day, yeah. Good. So Good. I, I get Mallory's- And they didn't take her up back and shoot her. I'm not sure what happened to her, frankly. She left the company. Hmm. I haven't heard from her. Okay. Um, <laughs> but Mallory um,
0: Mallory's trying to, to old yell the club here. She's terrible at it. She's just f- super fucking unpleasant to all the babies. Jesse comes around and is like, Hey, Mal, how's it going? I brought you some- st- stuff and and mal is like i've never loved you right because her other like her
1: mission her goal is i'm going to get kicked out of the babysitter's club but remain friends with all these people and what she does is fails to remain friends with them and does not get kicked out like her, her tactics lead to the exact inverse of what she was going for right luckily the club members of the babysitter's
0: Club. Pick up on what's happening. Yeah, fortunately, the babysitter's club members pick up on what's happening, and she stays in, which is wrapping the whole thing up in a bow. But not to dwell on this too much, but Mallory, the reason for you wanting to be out of the club in the first place is that you were super worried that your friends would be upset with you. Right, and then so you upset your friends. Your method for achieving that was... Start a campaign of... Uh... A campaign of hatred and harassment against your only friends. Right, right. I don't blame Mal. You know who I blame? The entity known as Jonna
1: and Malcolm. Jonna and Malcolm. It was just so lazy. Yeah. And it was all, like, no joke, Baby Nation. It was all contained within one chapter. This whole conflict took place over one chapter and was conceived of and forgotten about, independent of this entire story. Yeah. God, it was bad. It was bullshit.
0: And now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Um, a Dilly dilly my lord (laughs) Oh hey It's Evil Jack here I was just workshopping some of the most Evil ways to start an ad spot Evil Tanner couldn't make it today Because he's busy trying to break his previous record For how many people he can tell that they should Smile more in a 24 hour period I just wanted to give you An update on our uh, evil company Better help Where we help evil Betters to Um Visit betterhelp.com bedfellows today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com help, slash bedfellows.
1: Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com
0: with the code POD. Um, let's move on. I feel like we've maligned John and Malcolm quite enough. Um, I want to talk about
1: Stony Brook Manor. Okay. I think Stony Brook Manor is quickly becoming one of these waypoints. Yeah, agree. I think these books, any book that features Stony Brook Manor also has some kind of complicated relationship with time. Yeah. Stony Brook Manor we were first introduced to in stacy and the mystery of stony brook where she meets an old man the weirdest book we've ever read book number 36 i think she meets an old man he dies she has visions of fire it's fucked up we see it again a few more times we just most recently encountered it
0: in uh, babysitter's club mystery number three Mm-hmm. Mallory and the Ghost Cat, which has a strong resonance with that text. They bring up the specific moments that happen in Stacy and the Mystery of Stony Brook, including some of the like weird dreams that they had. Right. And they also visit Stony Brook Manor. Right. And the B plot of this book is that the kids and the
1: babysitters club are putting together a Thanksgiving Day festival for the residents of Stony Brook Manor. Right. Um they specifically bring up Stacy's dead friend, they specifically bring up Uncle Joe.
0: Right. You know who Stacy's dead friend is in uh, uh, "Stacy and the Mystery of Stony Brook" is Old uh, Rubber Nose, right? Which, as we know, is an anagram for "burn" or "bees." So it's not an accident, right, that something is going on that is of great significance uh, to the entire arc of the sitter cycle in relation to Stony Brook Manor,
1: right? And time is is broken in this book. Yeah, Like, we never see time progress because, as we know, Anne froze, Amber Theory, Anne froze time around Stony Brook. Yeah. But in this book, they acknowledge the passing of time. Mallory is sick for months. They talk about Halloween at the beginning of the book. Most of the book is about Thanksgiving. They're even approaching Christmas at the end. They acknowledge the passage of time. Mallory says at one point, A month, I gasped, dropping my head back onto the pillow... I'm going to flunk out of school. I'll be in sixth grade for the rest of my life.
0: So she's recognized it. Right. And I think that. She's seen. She's suddenly seen what's happening to her. Right. Which is literally true. She's going to be in sixth grade for the rest of her life.
1: These moments of awareness, these moments of time not passing, always coincide with these waypoints, like the Halloween hop, like Stony Brook Manor. Yeah. So I think we found another one here. I think we found like another weird nexus in
0: time which is specifically the stony brick manor right possibly because of some of the residents here could be could be old rubber nose could be old rubber uh, nose uncle joe
1: could be mr Hutchinson. hutchinson who's in a wheelchair we learned yeah. about a lot of the residents of stony brick manor this week oh yeah because they do this this whole really
0: complicated thing for them
1: yeah they fill cornucopias with books And toys and candy sounds like a lot of work. They do a a little festival. Yeah, the old people are touched. Yeah, they like it. Did you? What did you have any feelings about it? It seemed fine. I guess. Like specifically, um,
0: did it make you cry? (laughs) Uh, Are you asking me whether I had a? Terrible oh, um, I, di- I kind of did, uh, but it wasn't around the Stony Brook Manor. Oh, really? Because I had about 1,000
1: in Stony Brook Manor. Why don't you hit me with yours? Okay. Okay, hit me. So they're at like a, a big box store, like a Costco. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to fill these cornucopias that they're making with gifts and sweets and treats for these old people. They're buying them, like, books, and they're buying them toys. Um, I think Nancy's adopted grandma would like to play jacks and pickup sticks. Karen held out the two packets in either hand, trying to choose between them. Of course, she probably likes paper dolls, too. Don't you think a viewmaster would be really neat for someone in a wheelchair? Charlotte suggested. They could travel the world without ever leaving Stony Brook Manor. Marianne, who can get pretty mushy at moments like this, gave Charlotte a hug. That would be a lovely gift, <laughs> she said. That really chucked me up. <laughs> As I was reading it on the train this morning, it really chucked me up. But also, it, now that I'm reading it in the cold, drunken light of nighttime, recording mm-hmm. with you, they could travel around the world without ever leaving Stony Brook Manor. Oh.
0: That's not For, a tearful moment, that's that's a message.
1: It started as a tearful moment, but now it's like further adding fuel to this fire of Stony Brook Manor as this point that takes up more than it seems in the
0: space-time continuum. Because you, you can't travel around the world with a fucking viewfinder. No. That's just a bad toy. Right. It's a bad, boring toy. So that was a somewhat ham-fistedly inserted message by Jonna and Malcolm.
1: They were toying with our emotions. Like, they're yeah. like, oh, this is so sweet. Mary Ann's crying. Aren't you crying? And I was like, yes, I am crying. I'm going to totally miss this bigger point you're trying to make.
0: Right. Um, I didn't cry because I thought it was weird that they were buying kids' toys for these older people. Yeah, but the older people fucking loved them. They Mr. Fucking, Hamilton.
1: They- here's my other one. Mr. Hamilton looked at his box of Legos and just kept saying, I'm touched. I'm so touched, Adam said. That was said. beautiful. He built a bridge and a castle.
0: Okay, that was beautiful. It worked. All right, I, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. At the time, I was like, this is like infantilizing. They're going to hate it. Uh, they fucking loved it. Um, I will read you my tearful moment in full because it highlights exactly what we've already talked about. The okay. end of the logical syllogism. The cue. The cue. It's the cue in our fun with rhetorical logic. Uh, After Mal uh, tries to get herself kicked out of the babysitter's club by being super shitty to all of her friends. Right. The phone rings. It's for you. I sighed heavily and said, Hello? Mallory, it's Jesse. Before I could say anything, more voices came on the line. And Christy. And Claudia. And Mary Ann And Stacy No, Uglier And Stacy Yeah (laughs) And Logan (laughs) Jesse's voice came back on the line We're calling you from the meeting at Claudia's Oh This was it They probably just voted to kick me out of the club Permanently I gritted my teeth and waited for the bad news Mal, Jesse said sternly We know what you're doing, and it won't work. This took me totally by surprise. What do you mean? Christy took the phone. We've just spent an incredible 15 minutes arguing with each other over things you said. Then it was Claudia's turn. What voice did I do for
1: Claudia? She was low. She was like a Mark Markson. Okay.
0: Jesse and I were getting really miffed with each other before we figured out that you had started our fight by inventing stories about me. Jesse took the phone back. Then we realized that everything you said and done lately was completely unlike you. I could hear Marianne speaking over Jesse's shoulder.
1: We decided you were trying to make us angry with you so we'd kick you out of the club. Yeah, weepier. We decided you were trying to make us angry with you so we'd kick you out of the club.
0: Chrissy took the phone, and he did a pretty good job of it, too. I was ready to replace you. My voice sounded awfully tiny when I asked... Why didn't you? A chorus of voices answered me. Because we love you. Stacy came on the line.
1: And no matter how sick you get, you can't get rid of us. Good.
0: I really stepped on my whole tearful moment by doing that voice for Stacey. Because that was the part that got me.
1: That's what got you.
0: Yeah, they love her. Um,
1: Jack. Yeah. Let me ask you a question real quick. Okay. And then I want to get the fuck out of here. Okay. Did you this week have mm-hmm. a <gasps> burn, burn of the Week Week
0: Um Yeah, I had a Burn of the Week. Did you? Yeah. I would love to hear it. Um Mallory Pike. Yep. Mal. Babysitter. Lover of horses. Uh aspiring novelist. Redhead. Uh, that's it, right? I got everything? Into horses. I said, hor- I said that. Best friend of Jesse. Best friend of Jesse. Um, gets so sick that her throat swells up. Uh, she has trouble breathing. She has to give up all of her extracurricular activities. She can no longer attend her beloved babysitter's club meetings. She can no longer make any money by babysitting. And she's not allowed to go to school for at least a month. Great, she's
1: another welfare freeloader. Am I right?
0: <laughs> I think I think you're right. I think that's how that works. <laughs> uh, but she's not happy about it. She's miserable. In fact, it's the she describes it as the worst thing that has ever happened to me. Yep. This is how her brothers and sisters react to the news. I did get to go downstairs a couple times. Whoopee. And fuck, once I even Fuck, fuck. <laughs> you got my burn of the
1: week, bud? Good. Well, <laughs> baby nation, I'm uh, I'm right there with Jack. This is
0: also my burn of the week. Very good burn. <laughs> I did get to go downstairs a couple of times. Whoopee. And once I even went to the basement to see a show that Margo, Nikki and Claire had put together just for me. It was called Mallory is sick. Claire played me, and her part consisted of lying on a cot, pretending to be asleep. Margot and Nikki played the doctors who discovered I had cooties. <laughs> they talked a lot about operating while they mixed up a drink of milk, orange juice, and raisins. It was supposed to be a miracle cure for the cooties. Then they tried to make Claire drink it, but she refused. So the show ended in an argument. Mallory <laughs> 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 fucking... Just sits there and watches this, like, weird, like, satirical parody of her. <laughs> like, the greatest distress of her life. Too sick to do anything to stop it. And then just traipses back up to her bedroom where she's in confinement for the next month.
1: It's a weird parody, but also, like, this opportunity from the Pike brothers to get their younger sister to drink something weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, like, all of the Pike kids, their M- Mama Pike, D. Pike, explains this away by saying that mononucleosis is too hard for kids to say. Right. But all the Pike kids exclusively refer to Mallory's illness as cooties. As the cooties. <laughs> for, like, two months straight. <laughs>
0: yeah, Ben Hobart gets dragged into it.
1: <laughs> yeah. All of the kids at SMS, like, give Ben Hobart a bunch of shit.
0: Yeah, he doesn't even show up in this book except as like a description by Nikki Pike, who's like, "Oh man, Ben Hobart like could barely fucking show his face." Like, you think you have it bad, Mallory? Like, Ben Hobart is the laughing stock of the whole school. Like, you gave Mallory like the worst case of cooties SMS has ever seen.
1: Oh, don't worry, Mallory. We get to it in Act Three. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, pretty good burn. Pretty good burn. And you know very what? We should burn. give credit where credit is due. That was... Uh, good that one, was Anne. A, uh, I can yeah. see
1: your mastery at work here, Anne. You step in. Yeah. The pikes require very razor-sharp wit, yeah. and Anne is here to to kind of pick up the slack where Jonna and Malcolm have obviously let it go.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that was our burn week. I got a, a final little... Uh, grace note segment great man I'll, i'd love it because we've
1: been recording for an hour and a half and i just like i think really just juicing this lemon a little more
0: great good i'm glad we're on the same page it's uh it's one of your favorite segments
1: seems like a perfect stopping point
0: but let's keep going great good i'm glad we're on the same page like i said um it's one of your favorite segments it's the i don't know how to introduce it but it's the b-b-b-baller.
1: Oh, baller of the week yeah well we've got a we've got a pre-recorded segment for it oh what do we do it just goes B-B baller of the week. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs>
0: that sounds good. Well it sounds like we've got it again now. Yeah. Um it's just uh it's a it's a nice little moment with our, our boy Nicky Pike. Okay. They are desperately trying to raise money to get these like fucking ill conceived fruit baskets for the residents of Stony Brook Manor. And they come up with what sounds a lot like a pyramid scheme to me, but they call it a promises campaign. Yeah, yeah. Um and the way that it works, they raise a lot of money off of this. They raise like over a hundred dollars with like this. Like hundred and forty five bucks. And I don't know whose idea it is, but it's the basic maybe it's Vanessa's. It's they Vanessa. say it over
1: and over again. Vanessa Vanessa's Pike. idea.
0: But the, and the idea is that, like, you go to your parents or, like, someone some parent in the neighborhood, and you're like, hey, I promise that if you give me $5 now, I'll, like, mow your lawn later. Right. Adam Pike promises that sexy dreamboat,
1: John Pike, if you give me $5 now, I will shine your shoes and mow the lawn.
0: Right. Perfect. Nikki Pike, meanwhile, uh, doesn't fully understand the promises campaign, but he turns it into a really baller – uh version of Racketeering. Which is essentially just a protection racket. Yeah. At at that moment, Dad walked past my bedroom and down the hall. Nikki raced to the door. Dad, wait. I have to promise you something. "Uh, Promise me what? Said the devastatingly handsome John Pike as he turned his gorgeous head slowly and fixed the gaze of his meaningful brown eyes upon them. Right. One bead of sweat running down his handsome brow.
1: Right, and the top couple buttons on his shirt kind of come undone, and you can kind of see like a, a really like ripped up chest under there, kind of glistening.
0: Promise me, promise me what? <laughs> he asked. Nikki thought fast. Uh, I promise not to play with your golf clubs if you give me a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> like Vanessa's promises campaign is a pyramid scheme. Right. Uh, but she doesn't know that. Right. She thinks it's honestly just like, Oh, like give me the money and I'll do something for you later. Right. Uh Nicky Pike is immediately goes to like, Oh, this is awesome. Like we can blackmail people into like fucking their shit up if they don't give us right. money.
1: It's a protection. It's racketeering.
0: Yeah, it's really good.
1: And you can make a lot of money off of that. Just ask every mobster in the nineteen thirties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Um, Tanner, uh should we Jackie. Should we get the fuck out of here? I
1: would like that very much, yeah. I would like that as well. It's a Thursday night. It's 9.37 at
0: night. Yeah. You know, sun is set here. Still got a little light. The rays of the sun are still touching the beautiful city of
1: Austin. Stars at night are not quite big and bright. Yep. Deep in the heart of Texas yet.
0: That's accurate. Um, Tanner? Oh, no. we should We should ask the Baby Nation something real fast. We should ask the Baby Nation... Uh, to continue. There. Okay, sure. Um, Baby Nation. Okay. I, okay. Yep. Uh, we have one
1: thing to ask of you this week, mm-hmm. and it's that if you ever encounter Jack Shepard or Tanner Greenring mm-hmm. on the streets in Brooklyn, New York, Austin, Texas, or anywhere else, and you sense that their lives are in danger... Yeah. Whether it's like an immediate threat, whether it's something more um, difficult to figure out. We have one request of you. Just one request. Well, three requests. Mm-hmm. Um, three requests kind of encapsulated under one general kind of mission. Um, a member of Bay Nation may not injure Jack Shepard or Tanner Greenring or through inaction allow Jack Shepard or Tanner Greenring to come to, to harm. Come to harm. Right. Yep. A member of Amy Nation must obey orders given to it by Jack Shepard or Tanner Greenring, except Unless, where such orders would conflict with the first law. Right. And then, uh, finally, um, a member of Baby Nation must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Either the first or the second law.
0: Right. that's and it. that's
1: all that's all we have to ask of you this week. one
0: simple request that's all we have to ask of you this week. Just follow um, those three laws, yeah called the laws of baby nation yeah um so keep that in mind, write it down. just remember if you come across us, those laws apply right um also throw us a nice review on iTunes yeah um that's just a favor just do us a favor just us a favor you don't owe us that you don't owe you owe us a life debt you owe us the three laws. Right, and that life debt is contained within those three laws. Right. That's how that works. Right. Uh, if you want to throw us a nice review on iTunes... That's, that's a favor. That's, just, that's a favor, and we appreciate right. it. Uh, Baby Nation, this week, I've been Jack Shepard. I have been hmm. Tanner Greenring. This week? This week, we read a book called Get Well Soon, Mallory. Next week... We're reading a book called Stacy and the Cheerleaders.
1: Oh, I just realized that with five babysitters, the frequency
0: of Stacy books is going to be <laughs> it's gonna, much it's, higher. It's going to tick up a lot. Um, I'm fine with that. I like the babysitters' books where uh, the theme is that there is an enemy from the outside that must be rejected by the club. Even in their weakened state, I feel like the five babysitters uh, are more than enough to handle some. Uh, robot cheerleaders? You think they're robots? Oh, I don't know. Okay,
1: I think the babysitter, the five babysitters we have left, are well equipped for handling
0: reptilian uh, cheerleaders. Yeah, I think these zombie cheerleaders don't stand a chance against the five babysitters that we have nope. left. Yeah. Um. This week, I've been who I am. This week, I've you've been... been Tanner Greenring, as <laughs> always,
1: America's <laughs> favorite Babysitters <laughs> Club critic.
0: I'm, <laughs> that sounded really good. <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to correct you on it. Uh-huh. Uh, but what I was doing is I was kind of leading to up. Yeah. I was leading yep. up so I can do a, a, this sign off.
1: Yeah. I was right there with you, man. Okay. So it's following Follow suit. You said, I am who I am. And I said, I am Tanner Greenring, America's favorite paper setters Club critic. Yeah. Uh, Claudia's wearing a brawn blah blah, blah, blah blah.
0: Great. I've been who I am. You've. Been. I am Tanner Greenring, America's Favorite Babysitter's Club clerk. Claudia's wearing a bra now. The way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. You look great and you sound great. Thank you. I just went to the
1: cardiologist.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. They fix you up?
1: No, they said it's not, it's not dire.
0: You'll live. Okay. Good. Good. I cool said, dong. I hate to do this podcast without you. Oh, they checked out the, the old dong again? Yeah. They said,
1: I said, why not scope that dong while you're down there? Why not?
0: Uh-huh. You're a fucking doctor. I'm paying you a huge amount of money. The least you can do is look at my goddamn dong. Right. That's nice. I'm going to make you full screen on my computer, just because that feels
1: right, but it means I can't monitor my levels. I want what's best for you. A little little bit of risky business. You're looking at a huge, big face of mine now. I'm looking at your big, huge face. It's all over my screen. Sweet. We
0: can play cardiologist later.
1: Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Dr. Jack, check out this doll.
0: (laughs) Good. Good comedy.